Hey, Adam Smolcom here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. We've been deep over this series, which seems like a, a real basic series, always all good, but we've been going deep. So I wanna go even deeper, even, turn your neighbors even deeper today in our theological understanding around the way God's goodness works in our lives. So would you come with me to our series verse, Romans 8, 28. You probably know it by heart by now. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. In fact, let me keep reading. It's that good. Verse 29, for those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? Who will, be, who will bring any charges against those whom God has chosen? It, it is God who justifies. Who is He that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written? For your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to the slaughter. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our, our Lord. What, what a passage of Scripture. You know it's gonna be good when you just bless from the Word itself, amen. I want you to prepare yourself. I want you to fasten your seatbelts and buckle in tight because today I'm gonna bring a word around. It's all part of the plan. It's all, it's all, all part of the plan. You sure you're ready? Your kids ready? All right, fist bump five people and take your seat. Go ahead, thank you, Vive Worship. Muchas gracias, love you. You know, as I said earlier, we are, we're more than a month into an extended series on the different ways that God works things for our good. And, you know, I've been wondering for some time, long before this series, in fact, how many of us actually recognize what's actually good? I mean, sure, it's, it's easy to identify what's obviously good, like a promotion, that's obviously good. Like a vacation. How many people are so amped for vacation season? You, you, you don't need someone to describe that that is good. But what about art or music? <laughs> you, you know, what about the things that are subjectively not so obviously good? Like what some people consider good. How many people know others think it's not that good? Yeah. I mean, what about fashion? Can we talk about that for a moment? Fashion is subjective. How many people agree? In fact, fashion ha has a way of, especially when you look at fashion, in one season it could be good, but in another season it ain't so good. I'm trying to 
Talk to some people who've lived a few generations and know what I'm talking about. In fact, what isn't good in one season, given enough time, it will be very good. That's what we see. It all comes around. In fact, I, I was recently uh, realized the other day that, that when I was thinking about the idea of fashion in, in, in 1990, I was way too early for my time. Because my mom sent me a photo and uh, look, let me just go ahead and show you the photo. This was me in 1990. That's me on the right there, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Show them. Show them. Now I've got a Space Jam t-shirt on and a Raiders hat. Now, now I, I, in my hometown of Newcastle, Australia, I didn't even know where Oakland was, let alone the Raiders. I don't know how that happened, but I was teasing, that's for sure. But the, the truth is, at that time, I was so mad at my folks because everyone was wearing, like, surf brands. That's what they were wearing, like, surf brands. And that's what the fashion was in my hometown. And here I am wearing Looney Tunes <laughs> and Raiders. Nobody likes the Raiders, LJ. And I was, I remember thinking, man, why are my parents dressing me so bad? Like, I'm 10, man. Like, I got to get my, my threads. And, you know, and, and the truth is, it's fascinating because I remember in that time thinking, man, I just love some, I'd love some surf brands. That's what I would love. Like, if my parents just buy me some cool clothes. It's interesting. I want to throw up another photo. My friends the other day posted this photo. And I realized that Space Jam is now the height of fashion. Like, this is like the height of, isn't it funny how when one season what you're wearing, I wish I had that shirt. I wish I could go back and get that shirt and wouldn't fit me, but don't worry about that. But I wish I'm ahead of my time. And it's interesting that when you look in one season, what's not good, how in another, in fact, I actually wonder if we recognize in the moment what's good for us or if it takes some time. I'm not just talking about fashion, Carl. I'm talking about all kinds of things in life, the things that God's doing in your life that are good, that you're overlooking in this season. I'm talking to parents here who are missing the goodness of the season that you're in, the baby season, because you're just waiting for them to shut up so you can get out of this season where they can have an intellectual conversation with you. I wonder if we miss what's good in the, the moment. Or are the good things evidential just, just later in life? In fact, let me go ahead and make the question as clear as I can today. Do you know what's good for you? Do you know what's good for you? And the reason I ask it so bluntly is because this entire section of Scripture here from Paul carries with it the assumption of knowing. Like as we established earlier in the series, Paul emphasizes in verse 28, for we know. However, in verse 29, he shifts from for we know to for God knows. Or more accurately, God foreknows what is good for us, which is certainly comforting. I would have to, have to say, and I'm sure you would agree at some level, to know that God knows what's good for us. How many people find just a little element of comfort in the fact that even when you don't know what's good, God knows. Even beyond your, your recognition of what's good in your life, we can get some comfort from the fact that surely God knows what's good for us. But, but maybe I could also suggest that even better than, than, than being comforted by the fact that God knows what's good for us. This passage of Scripture actually holds the secret to being confident about the good things that God has for us. Not just comforted, but confident. 
not just comforted, but confident. To be confident about the fact that God knows what's good for us. And, and if you wouldn't mind today, I would like very much to do some teaching in the hope of producing a great confidence in what God is doing despite whatever we walk through in life. And believe it or not, what will really help us understand Romans 8.28 is actually unpacked in Romans 8.29. Let me read again. After illuminating that we know God works all things together for good, he says this, Paul, he, he writes, for those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. Now, if you didn't notice, Paul uses some pretty heavy theological words here to explain the process by which God does good things. How many people recognize that? How many people just pretended you knew exactly what verse 29 said? Like, you're like, mm, great word, pastor. Yeah, yeah, foreknew, predestined, conformed. Yep, got it. Yeah, wow. Move on. Yep. No, no, he uses some pretty heavy theological language here. And not just heavy theological words, but, but words that can actually create a little bit of tension when not explained right. Because especially when you're talking about foreknowing things and, and, and having been predestined, it can almost kind of sound like God is the one orchestrating our lives in such a way that it doesn't leave much space for our free will. Like when you put fore, God foreknew and he predestined, and conformed, when you put those words together, it almost kind of puts us in a place where, well, what am I doing, God? You foreknew it, you predestined it, and you're conforming me. Why, why am I even here? What, are you, what am I doing? And what that can actually do is it can present like, like there's not much, not much purchase in the game for me. There's not a lot of action that I bring to the table. Why do I even have free will? Especially in the context of bad things. Right, like, like because if honestly, if God foreknows all the things and then He predestines all things and we aren't really in control of our lives, then why would you then allow bad things to even happen at all? Well, this is exactly where some really good practical theology will come in handy. So, so let's take a moment to unpack specifically these two words, foreknew, and predestined. Is that cool? Yeah. Ain't trying to turn this into a, a seminary degree, seminar, theological teaching. But I do want to come around some, some teaching that will help illuminate or at least build a foundation for the way that we approach the, the bad things in our life, the good things in our life, and the confidence that it requires to navigate all seasons in our life. And honestly, this is so important for our society at the moment as a global society, not just in the U.S., Across the world, all of us have had to corporately together navigate uncertain seasons and yet all of us in some sense have questioned the goodness of God in those seasons and so it becomes very important for us to use those seasons coming out of those seasons to make sure when I head into a different season that will be similar to the season I've been through before but different at the same time that I have some theological foundation to stabilize me in the midst of those seasons. What a waste it would be just to navigate life but not be better for it to go through something, to come out of it, but then to not be changed because of it or to be more grounded or more stable or more steadfast as a result. So why 
proposed to you is because of the season of life that we've walked through. God has gifted us with an opportunity to firm up some things in our life so that we can be anchors for others in seasons where fear presses in, where anxiety knocks at the door and where depression wants to come in, that there is a stability theologically and spiritually in your life. So just try your best to dial in and stay together. We'll, we'll walk it through as slowly as we have to. And what you're going to find here is, is God gives us some pretty theological ideas for new and predestined. And maybe we could just get some clarity on, on, on what they mean as opposed to the way they sound. Because the very first thing we need to establish when approaching these words is that they're actually less, less about what we do and more about who we are. This is a really good premise to work from when you're approaching God foreknew and predestined. We want to go straight to it's about what we do, but I want to argue that it's actually more about who we are or even better, who we are to become. In fact, a believer is simply someone who God foreknew. <laughs> That's what a believer is. A believer is someone that God foreknew. I'll give you scripture all the way through this in 1 Corinthians 8.3. It says, but the man who loves God is known by God. So where Paul writes in this passage, for those God foreknew, he's, he's not just referring to, to God foreknowing what they'll, they'll do. He, he's emphasizing the fact that, that God foreknows them. God, God foreknows. Justin, come up here. Come up on stage for a second. Justin, come up here. Yeah, come up here. Why are you, why are you snacking in church, bro? You're literally snacking in church. You didn't get breakfast? Go, go back down now. Go back down. See, that's, that's foreknowing. For, foreknowing is not emphasized as much as how Justin would have come up on stage. I didn't know he would have taken his time, put his little snack bar down and come up around that way. Or if he would have come up that way. Or if he were just the size of the guy. Why did he have to use a step? Like this was just an easy step for him. Why did he just come directly? Up? See, 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 it's not about the way, but it's knowing who. When I called him by name, he would come. Are you with me? It's not about the... So much the, the what, because there's many, 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 many ways to do it, but there's one Justin. At least your mum said that. There's one Justin. <laughs> one Justin. And what, what we need to understand is, is that for God, this, for, this, this foreknowing, this knowing does not merely mean having an acquaintance with an individual, but rather having a meaningful relationship with a person of God's own choosing. And Paul emphasizes this in his letter to Ephesians, where he says in Ephesians 1.4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and, and, and will. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. What we see here in Ephesians and in Romans, by the way, is Paul illuminates the concept of of foreknowing in the context of adoption. And as children of God, what we have is, is we've been adopted into His family and now we are co-heirs with Christ. This is not something I want to rush past, but for the sake of time, I can't labour on it. But I do need you to understand that what God has done, He chose you, He selected you. You thought you chose Him. No, 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 He chose you. 
He chose you out, and that's a beautiful understanding. You thought you chose him when we preach and we say, hey, who wants to receive Jesus? You put your hand up, you come down the front. That's because God chose you before the beginning of the world, not as an election, but, but, but knowing in his foreknowledge, knowing from the beginning of time to the extent of time that everything in your life would lead to such a moment in this time. And guess what? He said, everyone, here's the opportunity. Everyone gets the opportunity. Everyone, God's heart is that all would be saved. But everyone has the same opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. But because you chose him, you're in, you chose, you're chosen. You're adopted into the family. Now you're in the family of Christ. Stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. This is gonna get harder before it gets easier. <laughs> so what we have here is in addition to the foreknowledge of God, it actually involves way more than just establishing a relationship between God and believers. It also involves the end goal of that relationship. In other words, for God, the beginning and the end are all together. From the moment you step into a relationship with God, he's not saying, hey, well, let's see how this goes. He already knows the end of it before the beginning of it because God is not stuck in time with us. God is outside of time. And so, so for God, when he talks about foreknowing, he's not just foreknowing the moment of salvation as the beginning point, but he also has the end result of salvation. And the plan that he has with everything that goes on in your life to work something together, utilizing everything, not surprised by anything as everything is unpredictable still, that God has a way of knowing it all and working it to achieve the end goal that he has for your life. How many parents have a dream and a desire for the kids that you're holding in your arms today? How many, how many parents just have a, have a picture that you've maybe even journaled that or you've, you, you've prayed for it or you've talked about it, that what they could do and what they could be. And, and it's before they've even spoken one stinking word, they've got these big dreams that you've got for their life. Because you, you're beginning to forecast, but we're limited with our, with our ability to foreknow. God knows all things. And so when we talk about the foreknowing of God, he sees the beginning from the end and he hasn't just a goal to establish, but, but a goal of how it's going to end up as well. Stay with me. And this is why the apostle mentions that he has also predestined us. For those God foreknew, he also, I got a little pause. I have a bird anointing. I got a bird anointing. And if you follow me on Instagram, you would know I'm Noah at the moment. I don't know why, but literally birds are just coming to me and I'm picking them up and we're having a moment. And, and I always just thought this was random. Like I didn't know the pigeons are there. I've been picking up pigeons and, and, and my wife is like, what is God trying to say? I don't know, but now we've got birds flying through my sermon. I don't know what it means, but God foreknows. And here's the truth, he says, for, for those God foreknew, he also predestined. Now, now, without going way too deep into doctrinal differences around the interpretation of this, this word, let's, let's look at it in application to revealing God's goodness in our, in our life. And, and, and despite what the word maybe sounds like it suggests, it actually speaks just as much to the process as the destination, predestined. It, it actually speaks more to the process than the destination. 
Don't, don't get confused by the word. I know destiny is in predestined, but, but if you just subscribe to the fact that the destination is what predestined me, you're going to miss the power and the process that God actually is working in our life because of His foreknowledge. And because of His foreknowledge and everything that He knows, He can't just switch that off and then not have a plan for your life and begin to work things and produce something. So, so the predestined life is something, a part of the process that God wants to outwork in your life. Stay with me. I'm going to show you scripturally because... Because, because what we see here is what God doesn't want to do, He doesn't want to just establish a relationship with us. At the same time, He has, let's say, a, a desire for who we are to become as a result of being in relationship with Him. And so imagine for a moment, I am God. Not too hard, but just try. And just imagine that I'm inviting you on a journey where I have a specific destination in mind. And in that journey... It has good moments. In that journey, it has bad, bad moments, real bad moments. And the journey itself is ultimately unpredictable. It's constantly changing. It's affected by a million different decisions. You see, people's bad decisions affect the journey just as much as their good ones affect the journey. In fact, sin for generations past affects your journey just as much as your sinful actions affect the journey of generations ahead of you. Everything has a consequence to the decision we make. You know what I'm talking about? Even we see with David and Bathsheba that God redeemed him, but his decisions still had a negative effect in generations around him. And so there are so many different decisions that God gives you and you are able to make with your free will that affect the journey. The direction, the course, the journey, the way, the twists, the turns, the, the valleys, the, the mountaintops, the, the processes. And what it does is it actually produces, believe it or not, in God in His foreknowledge has actually predestined all the unpredictable twists, turns, peaks, low moments of your life to produce the person that He desires you to become. Mm, stay with me. Because I know in one side of your brain, you're saying, well, that's fantastic. On the other side of your brain, it's like, do we have to still go through that, God? Yeah. Like, there's, surely there's a faster route. <laughs> surely there's a direct route, a fast pass or something, or the Disneyland lovers. But, but, but the truth is, what you need to understand is it's all part of the plan. It's all, it's all. The ups, the downs, the good moments, the bad moments, that's all all of it is part of the plan. If, actually, let, let me back it up for a minute and explain this real scripturally because what's important to understand when considering the goodness of God is that God does have a plan. God does have a plan. In fact, if we wind it back to the very beginning, in Genesis, in fact, we'll see the plan is actually pretty simple. Firstly, make good things. That's God's plan. Make good things. Secondly, make man in his image so that thirdly, man can enjoy the good things in relationship with God. That's as complicated as the original plan gets. However, there was a disruption to that plan when sin entered the scene. You remember Adam and Eve and the temptation, the fruit, knowledge of good and evil. And from, from there, things got real complicated. We see this in scripture. We live it in our lives. So as we've already learned in this series, God's preemptive plan for humanity, which was make good things, make man in my image so that man can enjoy good things, 
because of sin became not a preemptive plan, but a redemptive plan, where now instead of making good things, he has to make things good. Are you with me? Can I? I'm just trying to make sure I get everyone. I don't know how many family members have been invited today and you've missed out in this whole series. I'm trying to do some, you know, so, so, some catch up in the process so that we all can move together. And, and, and I love God's good plan. In fact, in the beginning, it says God made the world and He said it was very good. It was that good. It was so good. It was very good. And so He did His plan really well, but because sin corrupted that plan, now He is about not making good things, but making things good, which is the redemptive plan of God. And, and, and something that is really important to note is when God made man or Adam, we see that He was formed from the dust of the ground and made into the image of God. Stay with me, Spooner. You're gonna need to lean into this one. In Genesis 1.27, it says, so God created man in His own image, in the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. This means that they were formed by God, perfect, sinless, and in the very likeness to God, both in nature and image. So, so, so we made man, made good things. So look how good this is. It's so good. This is a perfect place for, for men, for, for humans to be. So he makes perfect humans and puts them in the perfect plan and says, enjoy, check it out. Let's just be in relationship. This is the goal, Garden of Eden. Let's work it out. Let's, let's go. But, but because sin comes in, we see a corruption. And check this out. Now we see in Genesis 5, so we're five chapters in to the, to, to the Bible now, five chapters in, the sin, the fall, all that kind of stuff. It says this in verse 1, when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Is this on the script? Yeah, good, good, good. He created them male and female and blessed them. And when they were created, He called them men. Verse 3, when Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. Stay with me if you missed it. I want to make sure I cover this correctly. Adam was formed in the image of God. Seth, however, was formed in the image of Adam. What this reveals is that because of the fallen nature of humanity and because of sin, instead of being formed in the perfect image and nature of God that was the original preemptive plan, we are now being conformed to the perfect image and nature of Christ. Oh, this is really, this is, I, I know it's gonna unlock some things in your life if we can get the right combination and we put it in the right sequence that will literally be like a padlock opening up and you'll begin to see why, because this word conformed is a dangerous one. And I gotta make sure we unpack it right so that it doesn't become dangerous or offensive, but actually comes purposeful in your life. Because if it wasn't for sin, we would've just been made in the perfect image of Christ. Sin wouldn't have been a part of our DNA or our makeup or, or, or the framework of our life. But because of the fall, that one act of sin, it was all corrupted. So instead of being made perfect in the image of God, we were made in the image of man with the sinful nature. So instead now of forming us, we are being conformed back to the image of Christ. It's not from the start off, but it's from the end back. Uh, okay, okay, let's do some more teaching. This is gonna help because what we see here Paul do is he emphasizes this. For God, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son that he may be the firstborn among many, many brothers. So what we see here is not only Paul highlighting that God works things for, for good, 
according to his purpose, but he also makes clear that God's purpose in the, in the process, which is, is about conforming us into the likeness of Christ. Now, I am well aware that in our postmodern anti-political world, this word conform is a trigger word, I know. Especially for those that are anti-conformists. I know who you are. I know you're out there. I know who you are, the anti-maskers. We, we've been doing life together. I know, I know, I know. Especially those who want to deeply express their individuality. How many people know someone like that? Don't, don't put your hand up. It's not you, but you know what I'm talking about. Just listen. You know someone who loves to express their individuality. And, and it's all about you expressing your, your unique individuality. And I, I hear you. I hear you. Trust me. Let me assure you, you are very special, Justin, and very unique. However, let me also remind you that the goal of the Christian life is actually not to express yourself uniquely as much to be a unique expression of Christ. This is, a, this is going to be so freeing. If you could just understand this and instead of battling to express yourself so everyone can see you, God's like, no, I'm trying to express myself through your uniqueness. I'm trying to be a, give a different, because God is not cookie cutter God. There is so much depth, breadth and width to God that you can search God. In fact, the Bible says that the angels in heaven encircle the throne and each revolution, they get a new revelation of God's goodness because not because God's changing, but because He is so deep and wide and intense that there is so much to Him that they keep seeing a new aspect of God. And so there is so much to God that He needs the uniqueness of humanity to be and reveal an expression of Him. And so what God's trying to do is He's trying to take all of that and conform it so that it will be a, an expression of, of Christ. Expression of Christ. And so what we see here is, is the Christian life is an expression. And even Jesus Himself actually modeled this for us. Hebrews 5, 7 it reveals that during these days of Jesus, is that the time, okay? In, during these days of Jesus' life on the earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save Him from death. And He was heard because of His reverent submission. Although He was a son, He learned obedience from what He suffered and once made perfect, He became the source of eternal salvation for all who will obey Him. So essentially what this is saying is God in His goodness is using the trials and the troubles of life as a way of conforming us to the likeness of Jesus as the firstborn son. All right, I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta make sure I bring this in and button this up because you're like, that's cool. It's great, Pastor. Love the little theological explanation. Really handy, you won't remember it, but great, all the same. So, so let, me, let me summarize what this is actually gonna mean and what it's gonna produce in our life because... The very reason this is way better news than it appears and what you're hearing in your seats is because of what a conformed life actually looks like. I need to make sure I illuminate what a conformed life looks like. In fact, Paul tells us in verse 29, he says, for those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. Verse 31, what then shall we say in response to this? 
if God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, having gone through life some, how many people have gone through some life? How many people would just, you can boldly admit, maybe it's with a little sigh, or maybe you're still going through some life, that, that you've been through life and you've been through some ups and downs. There has been some good moments for sure, but there has definitely been some bad things that if you had given the choice, you would definitely write that out of the narrative of your life, especially in the generations to come. You don't want them to go through those things. But the truth is every life has some unique twists and turns. Every life has unpredictability. This is such a great word for a parent who, who is trying to think about how have I, what have I done? I have just brought a child into this crazy world. What were we thinking? Napa. And you're trying to think, how do we navigate this? How do we navigate this? How do we have a confidence? How do we have a confidence? Well, what Paul says is Paul is someone who had been through some stuff. In fact, in many of his scriptures, Paul had the ability to illuminate all the trials and tribulations that he went through. He's like, I've been shipwrecked. I've been chewed up, spat out. I have been through it all. And yet here is that same apostle who isn't saying, I just had a cruisy life. I've been through it. I've been through it. The reason he shares all those things is so we would say, yeah, you, you get me. <laughs> okay. And now that you get me, he says, what, what, what more shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? In other words, having gone through life some with its ups and its down, it's, it's good, bad, and even ugly. He says, what's being produced in my life is a deep understanding as I look back over my life that God is, is using all of these things to do something within me. And if I just miss the fact that I've been through stuff and miss the fact that God's done something in me and I, I miss the fact that I don't look at who I am now as a result of all the things, if I just keep my eyes on the things and don't look at what the things did or what the things made or what the things have produced, what I know now and the way I see now and the way I love now and the way I'm empathetic now and the way I move now toward people. If I don't look at what the things produce and I just look at the things, I will summarise that everything is bad. But even if I look at the things and I realise, what more could I say that, that, that the things of this life have produced something or in other words, they've actually made me into something that actually reflects a little more of Christ, hopefully, than when I started out on this journey, that, 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 that there has been like this sandpaper of life. It's been like this, this agitator of life that has worn off some of my angry edges that have actually chilled me out a little bit or made me feel a little more or be a little bit more concerned towards people. And, and as a result, I have actually been shaped, shaped. Formed is to take something that is blank and make something from it. To conform is to take something complex and already that and reshape it into something. God is so invested in the process of reshaping you into something greater than you ever thought you could possibly be. And the process in which He uses is the things. The things, the things of life, the good things, the bad things, the ugly things. This is why He says, what else is there to say? Like what a great conclusion. What else is there to say? I mean, I could pray it away and I could pray for God to do something, but what else is there to say? I've realised that, that the things of this life, if God is for us, who, or, or you could also put what, 
could be against us. This, this really means, and what Paul wants the believers to know is that nothing can stop us. <laughs> like nothing can stop. I'm trying to speak to the parent who's really concerned about how to educate their kid and all the navigating the school and the dramas and, and you're already anticipating who's not gonna like my child and are they gonna be popular at school and are they gonna get into a good school and am I gonna afford a nice house in a good area? Are they gonna be safe? You're thinking of all the dramas because you've been through things. But Paul says, instead of using your things to be fearful about the future, use your things, look at what God's done in you and have a confidence for the future because God's working those things together and he's, he's doing something with it. He's, he's making something, he's making something. Therefore, I can be confident about my child's life because just as God was conforming me, God will conform them. God's got them, God's got them, God's got them, God's got them, God's got them. I, maybe I could include the, the, the people, no, no kids for a moment, God's got you. God's got you, God's got you. God's got, I'm gonna repeat this until it sinks right in, God's got you. God's got you. And if you're a believer and you're known by God, there is no reason you have to worry or fear. I'm not saying that lightly. I know that there are many concerning things that you can face on the daily and probably pressures in your world. But I'm trying to talk on the large scale of what God has for your life, that you can still walk with a confidence knowing that God, you'll use this too. If you've used that and you've used that, I know what I'm facing is concerning to me. I'm a little stressed out right now, but God, I gotta trust and I gotta walk with a confidence to know that you'll have that too. God you. This is what the apostle wants the, the church to know that God's got you. God's got you. I, I can't, can't preach away or pray away the, the problems. But what I can do is give you a theological stable uh, position in life and a foundation to understand that no matter what comes, if God is for us, nothing can stop us. And as a result, we walk boldly in the calling of God, not, not wondering nervously about what awaits us or even treading cautiously, but confident in the knowledge that everything is working for our good. This isn't just a hype saying that you pull out when pressure's on. This is a foundational building block to your life as a believer in Jesus Christ, that God is working everything for my good. God is working it for my good. If God is working it for my good, then what could work not for my good? Nothing. That's what the Bible says, that nothing could work not for my good. So, so, so everything is working for my good. All things are part of God's plan. So, so now I don't have to love the moment, but I can have a confidence in it, that this too will pass, that God will bring me through, that some fruit will be born from this, from this problem. Come on, I'm trying to get a confidence in the church and remind you that all things are under the Lordship and the sovereignty of Jesus Christ, that there is a free will for you to choose. But God said, no matter what you do, I have a way of working that back to the plan. Even if you go off track, I have a way of working that in. And I'm trying to tell you, God wants to say, I'm lifting it up over fear, over anxiety, over doubt, over disease, over every kind of sickness, I have a confidence in your life. Every every time that you get fired from a job, guess what? I'm working in it to produce something. Every time that you have a breakup in a relationship, God says, I didn't plan it, but I'm not gonna waste it. I'm gonna form something in that. Every time you get a diagnosis that you didn't pray for, that was adverse to your life, God says, you can still be confident that I will work it for my good, because I'm over everything. I'm above everything. Everything is put, put under my 
my feet and the name of Jesus will reign with authority in your world, in your world. You can be confident, you can be confident, you can be confident. Look at your neighbour, find a neighbour, find your favourite neighbour, look him in the eyes so you can be confident. Look him, in, look him in the eyes so you can be confident, you can be confident. Yeah, wives, wives, tell your husband who's freaking out because they just had a daughter and they don't know how to navigate daughters through this life. It's scary. So you, so you can be confident, honey, you can be confident. God's got you. God's got, God, God, He's got you. Stay standing, stay standing. Don't sit down. I have to preach longer if you sit down. Stay standing, stay standing. Stand with me because I want to close it because I want to make sure that you get this in your spirit. God's got you. God's got you. Man, I feel anxiety even just begin to dissipate when we begin to realize. So, so God's got me in this situation? Yeah, God's got you in that. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to make things happy. God's got you in that. I know what you'd love me to preach. God's going to do it for you. <laughs> oh man, you'd all be standing and saying amen if I preached that. It wouldn't be theologically correct. God still invites you to participate in the process. He still wants you to make wise choices. He still wants you to pursue holiness. He still wants you to pursue righteousness. God does have a plan, but I gotta tell you, no matter how far you've gone off the plan, God's got you. He's got you, He's got you. He, he has a way of working that into the person He's gonna produce. He's got you, He's got you. I'm wondering who needs to hear that on a deeper level today. That God's got you. He's, he's got your kids. He's got your concerns. He's got you. He's got you. He's working it together for good. You see, even pain in your life can work together for the good of God. As long as pain has a purpose, it can be endured. Pain without purpose is difficult to endure, but even going through pain can be endured when you know there's a purpose to it. If it's, even if I can't see the purpose for me, but can that purpose serve somebody else? God will work it for your good. What if God will work it for someone else's good? Would you do something here? I feel the very presence of God here. Would you just close your eyes in this atmosphere? I'm wondering who need to hear that on a deeper level that God's got you. God's got you today. You didn't even know. You thought you were navigating this life alone, but I'm here to tell you that God's, He's got you, or at least He's inviting you into that relationship so that He can take everything that's worked negatively in your life and begin to produce something fruitful from it. That He can pull it into His purpose not just a beginner relationship with you, but even the outcome or the end game of what He has for you. He says, would you, would you bring it to me? And watch what I can do with it. Watch what I can do with a broken vessel. Watch what I can do with a fragile life, a life not put together. Watch how God can make something powerful from it. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't wanna miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.